Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. As always, you can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Through That. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, called God's Household or My Father's House. We're going to be resurrected one day into a new kingdom. But we are now citizens of a different country. And Abraham, it says of him, he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. He knew that he was simply passing through, a sojourner to another destination. And when you know that, when you know that as a believer, you can live on this planet as a resident alien. You know what I'm saying? You can live with your eyes on a coming city that even though we haven't arrived there yet, we know what's ahead of us. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. Just think of those words. I go and prepare a place for you. So the Lord prepares this special place and we have received a spirit of adoption by sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Listen to these words. If indeed we suffer with him, in order that we also may be glorified with him. Now that's God's city. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, 19, chapter 2. You are fellow citizens with the saints. And you are, look at the second truth now, you are of God's household. So you have a new citizenship and you are now part of God's family. You are of God's household. Now, a household speaks of a lot of deep things for us. A household is a cool idea. I guess your household should be the place where you're most comfortable. It's kind of the place where you can let your hair down. It's kind of the place where you really begin to know people is in the household. Well, you are part of God's family, and you have been brought into his household. You are members of his household. And so the, the deep desire in our generation, I would say, we see it more and more, is to belong. I think everybody wants to belong. Have you noticed that kids will do some very strange things to belong? They'll sag their pants. They'll get tattoos. Some of them will even smoke or drink or do things because they want to belong to part of a group. Humans will do strange things to belong. And so one of the things that you need to know as a Christian is that you belong that you are a member of the family of God. Um, just uh, Tuesday, we uh, got to honor uh, Denise's birthday, and I promised her I would not say how old she is. But anyway, but what happened was the body of Christ came together and surprised her. She was in the prayer meeting, and we prayed, and she's faithful to come to the Tuesday morning prayer meeting. And she walked out, and she thought she was going somewhere else, and all these ladies in the fellowship had prepared this food, and they wanted to celebrate her birthday. And so they prepared all this food, and so, of course, I had to go over there and see what was going on. Every time there's food in the church, I had to see what was going on. But no, actually, I wanted to to honor Denise because she's worthy to be honored uh, because she's a great, sweet saint of God. And so a lot of people said some neat things. We prayed, we ate, some of our favorite things to do. Then there was cake. Gotta love that. So we had cake. And then they did something that Denise loves to do. Uh, they began to worship. And Trish Campbell had brought some songs and we all began to praise the Lord and it was just an awesome, awesome time. And one thing that I think that struck home 
uh, in Denise's heart and everybody who was there was, this is the family of God. It is so cool to know that you have a forever family. That no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what highs or lows you may be hitting, no matter what you're going through, we are one in Christ. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. We are part of a new family, and we are one in Jesus Christ. I want to show you some scriptures that talk about that in rapid fire. I'll tell you what, I'll read most of... No, let's go through them. Let's, let's first of all go to Romans 12. Romans 12. Jesus prayed for this oneness. He said, And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. That's a radical oneness, just as the Father and the Son are one. Look at Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. For just as we have many members in one body, Romans 12, 4, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually, what are we? We are members of one another. It's interesting. We often talk about oneness in the body of Christ, and I think we should, but what we don't often talk about is that we belong to one another. We are members of one another. You know, in the Bible, if you do a study on the one another commands, take your concordance and and just plug in the phrase one another, and you'll see love one another, serve one another, forgive one another. You'll see all these one another commands. How can you do that if you try to act like a solo Christian? How can you love other people and and obey what the Lord has told us to do? See, we are members of one another. Individually, we are members of one another. Now, we have gifts that differ, and that's what makes it cool. But we belong to one another. And I want you to keep turning and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Just the next book to your right, 1 Corinthians 3. Look at verse 8. It's talking about gospel ministry here, and it says, 1 Corinthians 3, 8, Now he who plants and he who waters... What are they? They are one. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. That's what happens in the Christian church. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We are one in Jesus. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 17. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. Paul says, Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. For we all partake of the one bread. And then Keep turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For even as the body is one, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of the one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. We can't say that. We all belong to one another. Now keep turning and go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. So what does this mean for the body of Christ? Well, there are implications of it, and it is really how we treat one another and how we view one another. Look at 1 Timothy 5, look at verse 1. I'm going to read from the NIV here. It says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, 1 Timothy 5, 1, but exhort him as if he were your, what? Father. Treat younger men, 1 Timothy 5, 1, as brothers. Older women as mothers. And younger women as sisters. And then Paul adds, with absolute purity. And all the dads in the room with daughters said, Amen! Treat people as if they were your family. If you uh, have to rebuke an older man, uh, don't do it harshly, but exhort him or encourage him as if he were your father. Just think of this example. If you were going to go to your dad and your dad was messing up, okay, and you had to say, Dad, (laughs) we need to talk, how would you approach your dad? I don't think you would rail against him. I think you would come respectfully to encourage or exhort him. Well, you should do that with an older man as if you were your father. Younger men, treat them as if they were your brother. Now, I have three sons, and I'm not sure that's always a great idea. But anyway, we'll save that for later. But, you know, as they grow older, you know, brothers can get into it, but they do learn to love each other. Older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. I like to say to young men, whenever I touch on this text, that you should look at women in the church that you might consider courting as if they were your sister. Treat them with absolute purity because actually they are your sister. Not in the biological sense, but in the what? Spiritual sense. Sometimes we guys need to think of our wives in this category. Not only is my wife my sister in Christ, but she is God's daughter. And I want to treat God's daughter the way he would expect me to treat her. That is a good reminder to us as men. And we are to treat, of course, the sisters in the fellowship with absolute purity. In Romans 16, 13, Paul said, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me. Paul had, had uh, all these people that loved him practically, and when he went into people's homes or stayed with them, they became like a mother to him. You see, the New Testament is very much about doctrine, and we're going to get into that, but it's also very relational. The body of Christ is a family. And when the people who come into this family witness us, what do they witness? Now, I come from an Italian family. I remember growing up with all kinds of wonderful smells in the house. I could always smell when Grandma was making pasta sauce. I do like a Yogi Bear. I could just kind of float to wherever the pasta sauce was, right? Wonderful smells, wonderful memories of family. Well, that's what this family should be like. And I think that's what it is for so many of you. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Pastor Michael Lance would like to invite you to our next 633 event called On the Brink, A Warning to America. I can't think of anything more relevant and more that needs explanation and clarification and illumination than the topic of Marxism, socialism, and communism. The next 633 event will be August 22nd at 6.30 with guest pastor Christian Ionesco. He's a Chicago pastor who fled persecution in communist Romania and really became a religious refugee in America. Now he is saying that he is seeing signs in America, similar things that were happening in Romania as they were being prepped to really transfer over to communism. Learn more about this next 633 event on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Not only is my wife my sister in Christ, but she is God's daughter. And I want to treat God's daughter the way he would expect me to treat her. That is a good reminder to us as men. And we are to treat, of course, the sisters in the fellowship with absolute purity. In Romans 16, 13, Paul said, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me. Paul had, had uh, all these people that loved him practically, and when he went into people's homes or stayed with them, they became like a mother to him. You see, the New Testament is very much about doctrine, and we're going to get into that, but it's also very relational. The body of Christ is a family. And when the people who come into this family witness us, what do they witness? Now, I come from an Italian family. I remember growing up with all kinds of wonderful smells in the house. I could always smell when Grandma was making pasta sauce. I do like a Yogi Bear. I could just kind of float to wherever the pasta sauce was, right? Wonderful smells, wonderful memories of family. Well, that's what this family should be like. And I think that's what it is for so many of you. You come in, you know that you belong, you have a huge extended family, and for some of you, you have to say, that your church family has become closer in many respects to your regular uh, biological family. And why is that? Well, that's because you have this common bond that goes way beyond just the natural to the spiritual. And you can relate. And after all, you do have the same father. You've been born into the kingdom of God. Now, it's beautiful when family members know the Lord. There's a double blessing there. But we have this huge family. And we have been granted by God to be born again into this family and to be birthing children through the truth and then see them raised up just like a family we get to raise children and we get to watch them grow well in the same way the church does that we get to see people born again we get to grow them up and then send them out to into the world to glorify our father and so that's what the church is about and that's what you're part of ephesians chapter 2 so we are god's household we are part of the citizenship of heaven we're part of god's family But then Paul goes in and he's going to tell us about the temple now and he'll start with the foundation. Having been built upon the foundation 
of the apostles and prophets, Ephesians 2, verse 20. Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, the NIV adds the word chief. So what and who will govern these relationships that we now enjoy? Is this new community of Jesus Christ just about community? And the answer to that is emphatically no. It is not just about community. It is about truth. What binds us together is a common foundation. And see, if the foundation begins to be removed or if people try to change the foundation, then we're not talking about the church anymore. We're talking about a social club. So if the professing church in the world begins to lose the foundation, then we're not a church anymore. Then we don't have the common bond of that foundation. See, the new community, look at verse 20 with me, has been built upon a foundation. It's the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now in what sense is the foundation the apostles and prophets? In this sense, they received the doctrine about Christ. Do you remember that in Acts 2.42 it says that the early church was continually devoting themselves to the apostles' what? Doctrine. To fellowship. It included family stuff. To the breaking of bread. And to prayer. And they were a community of caring, but they were committed to the apostolic doctrine. That's the doctrine on which the church is built. That is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And see, it is not just about community. And I... I take great, um, uh, I'm against the thoughts of the emergent church on this point. Because the emergent church wants to elevate community and they want to elevate the belonging in a community and they know that people long to belong. But the point is, if that if you don't have doctrine, if you don't have the right doctrine and you devalue doctrine for the sake of experience or community, then you're not the church anymore. Because now you've changed the foundation. So why not just join a, a social club where you like the same things that others like? If you like to surf, join the surf club. If you want to be an elk or a moose, or I don't even know what they do at those places, then join that. You know, If that's what you want to do, if you want to be a community club, then you can do that. You can find people who have a common bond with you and join the club. But if you want to be part of the church, the foundation of the church is the doctrine, which simply means the teaching about Jesus Christ, entrusted to the apostles and the prophets. That's what sets apart the church of Jesus. So go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Go to your right. Look at 1 Timothy 3. Paul's writing about these things to a young pastor who happens to be pastoring the church at Ephesus. And here's what he says. 1 Timothy 3.14. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. 1 Timothy 3.15 But in case I am delayed, I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the, here's our phrase, the household of God, which is the church of the living God. What are we? The pillar and support of the truth. I want you to see in the next verse, this is an early creed, creedal statement, and it says this, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness, all about Jesus. He who was revealed in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, beheld by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. The foundation of the church is the doctrine, the teaching of Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. 
And so it's not just about the community experience. It is about what ties us together. And that is Paul saying that the church of the living God is the pillar and support of the truth. Look at verse 15. This is why Paul said, I'm telling you in case I don't get there, how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. And that speaks of the manner of life in which you live. This word points out our manner of life in personal relationships. This is very much in view because our character is best seen in our relationships. And Paul says, since you are a community that holds up the truth, I'm writing you so you may know how to conduct yourself. There's a certain expectation that flows from the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. And since the church is the pillar in support of the truth, there's two uh, uh, um, edifices that we can think of. You can think of the temple in Jerusalem. But in Ephesus, there was a great wonder of the world, and it was the temple to Diana. And it had these huge columns. I think there was 127 of them, all donated by kings. And the edifice rose into the sky at Ephesus, and it was not only to hold it up, but it was also to make it visible. And that might have resonated with the citizens of Ephesus. They saw that structure all the time. The pillar, the support, they would think, hmm, it holds up the building, but what else does it do? It makes it visible. We, as a community of saints, are to make the truth visible to the world. That's what we do. And how do we do that, pray tell? By our conduct. Now, we preach the gospel, of course, as the way to salvation. That's always first and foremost. But Paul is talking about conduct here. See, the church is the pillar and support of the truth. That's what we're all about. We are all about love and truth. As a matter of fact, we are all about Jesus, the embodiment of love and truth. So Philippians 1.27 says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether... I come and see you or remain absent. I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. You've been listening to God's Household or My Father's House, part two on Walk in Truth. And that's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you could listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, maybe you're thinking, okay, theologically, I get it. I'm part of God's household, but you know what? I'm not living like a believer and I'm afraid he's going to give me the left boot of disfellowship. <laughs> You've been telling me, go to church, go to church. And I'm like, hey, may, maybe lightning will strike if I walk into that place. Hey, we'll back, we'll back up when you come in. Don't worry. Now, just kidding. Hey, you know what? We, we all skin our knee from time to time or even fall on our face from time to time. But the beautiful thing about God being our father and us being part of his family that he doesn't give up on us. Look at the story of the prodigal son. All he asks is that you come to your senses and come home. And he'll love you. He won't say, oh yeah, you can be like one of the hired slaves. No. He, he says, you're my son. Welcome back. He'll throw a party. You guys know the story of Luke 15. He'll celebrate. 
You know, heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance, and the prodigal is a picture of a wayward son. And so my encouragement to you is come home. And that that's going to include repenting of your sin. If you've been playing games with sin and you know better, and you've been doing it anyway with full knowledge, you knew that God said no, you did it anyway, you touched the forbidden, hey, we get it. And it's this is not a, an excuse for anybody. Repent of it, make it right, and get back into fellowship. Start using your gifts to extend his kingdom. Have you noticed, brother, sister, that when you're caught in a vicious cycle of sin, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're just trying to survive and figure out you know, how you can hang on by your fingernails rather than serving the king. And look, we've all been there. We've all struggled. We struggle. It's a battle. But get back into fellowship and get back into a good Bible teaching church. If you need help with that, call us at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. Excited that you're listening. Hey, keep us in prayer. And we'll have more tomorrow from Ephesians chapter 2 on God's household. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. And thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a partner of at least $5 a month? Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, called God's Household or My Father's House. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.